Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by the CLNS Media Podcast Network. I'm Evan Lazar, and today I am joined by Brad Kelly, one of my favorite guests to have on. You can follow him at BradKelly17 on Twitter. I'm sure all of you already do that, though. And, Brad, uh, I wanted to have you on to talk about Jacoby Myers, you the wide receiver guru that I always consult with. So I wanted to bring you on to talk about him, but we're going to talk about some of the other young Patriot players as well, a little bit of the Texans at the end. But, uh, Brad, how you doing? Thanks for doing this. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Evan. No problem. And as you can see in Brad's uh, background right there, for those that are watching it on the video feed, he's got a Patriots flag with a DK Metcalf jersey right underneath it. Too bad the Metcalf jersey is not a Patriots Metcalf jersey. It's a Seahawks Metcalf jersey, obviously, but... I digress. That, that's a that's a topic for a different day. We're not going to crap all over a former first-round pick Patriot wide receiver who could have been DK Metcalf. Instead, we're going to smile and talk about some positive things with Jacoby Myers. And I think my biggest question to you, Brad, and I'm sure we'll get into the nitty-gritty of it as well, but is this just kind of a blip, you know, a three- or four-game hot streak here for Jacoby, or are you actually seeing him make strides that could make us think that, next year and to for the rest of this season he could be a a thousand yard receiver someday i would say it's probably somewhere in the middle he likely isn't going to be like the number one top target that he's operating as right now for the long term uh which means you know the the yardage that he's currently putting up i think i think you said it if you put it over 16 games it ends up being like 13 or 1400 yards crazy I don't think that's going to be sustainable, but I do think is the level of play that he's have that he's showing is, and that what that level is is a very quality complementary option, um, and in the, and the role that he's fulfilling is really the guy who's just going to keep moving the chains, keep the offense on schedule when you need it, when you need a catch, he's the reliable guy, and New England's had players like that for a very long time, and that's the role I think he fills. He's probably never going to be a thirteen hundred, fourteen hundred yard receiver. Yeah, that, that's a fair point, and I, I did kind of put a caveat on it. It's obviously that 169-yard game against the Jets yeah. is propping everything up, but if you take that 169-yard game out, he's still on pace for a 900-yard season with the other three games that he's been playing at a high level. So that's still a pretty darn good year for a wide receiver who was an undrafted guy, and quite frankly, my, myself included, a lot of us in training camp were not sure he was even going to make the team. 
back in August because he wasn't playing. Guys like Demir Bird and obviously Nikhil and uh, Julian Edelman and right on down the line of receivers, even Isaiah Zuber and uh, Devin Ross were playing more in training camp than Jacoby Myers. Now, some of it was a shoulder injury that he had that lingered and held him out. He's wearing a red non-contact jersey for about a half a week, I would say, in practice. And then we get into the actual games, and he's behind Edelman, obviously, at that sort of slot Z receiver role. And then Edelman gets hurt, and all of a sudden, Jacoby Myers is is Edelman 2.0. And, and that's the guy, you know, I've heard a lot of people try to compare Jacoby to somebody else. Even though they're not the same body type, it's so hard not to see Julian Edelman's route detail and a lot of the things that Jacoby's doing because he's running a lot of the same routes in the offense that Edelman would be running. So I guess my, my next question to you is, is do you see a more explosive receiver this year compared to last year? Because I feel like his confidence is continuing to grow and that has led to him being a little bit more, I guess, confident in where he's going on the field and not being as hesitant as a rookie versus in the second season. Yeah, so you touched on a lot of things there, and, and especially the Edelman comparison. He's playing the Julian Edelman role. Yeah. So really going forward, it's going to be how are they going to coexist, assuming right. Edelman gets back healthy, and where is Jacoby Myers then going to be in the offense? That's kind of going to be an interesting thing to monitor as Edelman gets healthy, fingers crossed. As far as his confidence goes, I think you see, I think you saw the explosiveness and he's not a, a super athlete. He ran like a four six, but he's quick. He's detailed, as you said. And because of that, when he was at NC State, he looked like he was playing fast. And I think you're seeing more of that now, likely just because comfortability in the system in a second year. Receivers always make that year one to year two jump. I think just, I think it's a comfortability thing, as you mentioned, and, and the knowledge of the offense is allowing him to play more, more open and more freely. And now you're seeing the, the, really the same player that you saw at NC State. And last year was, he would catch and get down, basically. It was like very little yak. And not that he's picking up a ton of yak this year, but you can see in his routes, he's even a little bit faster, a little bit quicker. Probably not a jump in athleticism as much as it's just a jump, the year one to year two jump you see in a lot of receivers. Yeah, exactly. And it's just incredible to watch him. I think he, you know, he told us a few weeks ago that Julian Edelman just basically gives him the answers to the test, right? He can just throw on Edelman tape in the, in the film room and see him run a corner route or see him run an over route or see him, you know, juke somebody at the line of scrimmage in his release or something like that. And, and he just see what he needs to do out there on the field just based off of that. And I know he went up against Marcus Peters a bunch last year, uh, last week, and I feel like he probably watched the Super Bowl against the Rams because some of the routes he was running looked exactly like what Edelman did against the Rams in that Super Bowl. It's been uh, really fun to see what part of his technique, uh, I know you can get into this minutia probably better than most, do you see with Jacoby that just sets him apart from other guys? I'd say it's two things. One is the footwork, and it's impressive because, as as everyone knows now, he was a quarterback recruit coming to NC State. He played his freshman year really at quarterback, so he's only been playing in position for about five years. But you see the details in his footwork. Um, he's able to. He's really loose. He's a flexible guy. He's able to get in and out of cuts because of that. Gain ground into them, accelerate through them. Uh, so part of that is the athleticism. But I I think the the big thing that you see with him and they touched upon this on the broadcast, is he really does feel coverage and see coverage 
like he still is playing quarterback. The way he's able to find voids in, in zones, um, sift or, or work into windows, work across windows, um, and just really work away from coverage like a quarterback would want a receiver to. I think you see it all over his film. He processes very quickly, and and that's just the reason why he's getting open so much. And really, the, the reason I think that Cam is targeting him so much is because him and Cam are clearly on the same page and how they're seeing the defense. Yeah, there was. I was just watching back all of his receptions over the last four games because I'm going to write about Jacoby for this weekend. And and the one that really stood out to me, obviously the the big yeah, burst corners, the, those ones are great, right? The play against the Jets last week against uh, the Ravens, but there was a over route that he ran, a 16 yarder against Buffalo, where. It was zone coverage in the middle of the field. The first window wasn't open, and he worked himself to the second passing window for Cam and just kind of sat down right in it and just was, you know, really open but then had to adjust back to the ball. It was a little bit low and away from him. And it, so it was kind of the adjustment, the hands, the ability to kind of finish low on the ground like that and yeah. also understanding, okay, I'm, I'm – covered in the first window, but I'm going to be open in the second window, so let me keep working across the field. Those little things, and again, zone, and then we obviously know that the separation quickness at the top of the route allows them to get open against man. It's It's been really fun to see because we haven't had a Patriots wide receiver, quite frankly, who's looked this good and kind of broken out since, you know, maybe like a guy like a Malcolm Mitchell, I, I think is probably the last one that we can hang our hat on, a young receiver that – really had this type of play in a four-game stretch. I, I, we could talk about Jacoby a lot more, probably this whole entire podcast, but I do want to hit on some of these other young guys that are playing really well. I'm going to skip Damian Harris for now. We'll come back to him. Let's talk about Kyle Duggar because this guy is just one of my favorite players that they've drafted uh, over the last couple of years mainly because of the speed and the physicality that he finally brings to that first and second level of the defense. They needed, desperately needed a guy like this. And at six foot three, 225 pounds, he's basically a modern day linebacker now for the Patriots. Uh, he was special on Sunday night. I mean, downright special. He, and it, it's interesting because he's, he's had a, he's played every game on defense, but I think the, the previous game is snap was like the season low on snaps, but really when you get to the Ravens, like he, I think he was basically drafted like with Lamar Jackson in mind. Yeah. Like when we have, when we play Lamar Jackson, a guy like Patrick Mahomes, we need Kyle Duggar in on our defense because as you touched on the, the, the size and strength, but also the speed and the speed in space and the way he can, he's so rangy in that second level. There were a few plays. There was a one play that that really stood out. Actually, two plays that really stood out in particular against the Ravens. One. Uh, they ran outside zone away. Um, he was the, the cutback or boot player. So if Lamar kept it and booted. He would have been there for Lamar. And he like waits, waits, sees Lamar doesn't have it. So he flows to the play and Gus Edwards cut back and he just lit up Gus Edwards. And Gus Edwards is 6'1", 238 pound bowling ball. And he put him like, he put him like shoulders straight down into the ground. And then the other one, he sets the edge against Nick Boyle who is probably the best blocking tight end in football, just sets the edge against him and and sheds the block, actually puts Nick Boyle on his butt, and then tackles Mark Ingram, wraps him for a gain of one. It was like, wow, this guy can be special, particularly against the run, but especially against a team like the Ravens, who they have the speed at quarterback, they have the power at running back. Like, if you put a a bunch of speed on the field and they keep giving it to Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, they're going to wear you out. If you put size on the field, Lamar Jackson's going to keep the ball and he's going to burn your, your bigger guys. Duggar's the perfect mix 
of size and speed that he can play both of those. And if, if every team had a guy like him, quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson in the schemes that they, that they run in Baltimore would be a little bit less effective. But for the Patriots, I mean, that's just a huge, huge defensive weapon. Yeah, and now they're going to go up against Deshaun, so they'll be able to use him in not the same exact offense, obviously, but still use him in some capacity, I'm sure, to uh, limit Deshaun. And I think we knew from the combine and then watching him, even though it was the D2 level at, at Lenore Ryan, that he was an explosive athlete, that he could go sideline to sideline. At Lenore Ryan, they, they told me that he was actually playing mostly deep safety in the middle of the field. Yep. Some split safety coverages later on in his career when they became more quarters based, but he was playing free safety in their defense. And then he goes to the senior bowl. Everybody there is like, we need to see you play in the box. Go guard some tight ends, go hit some people in the boxes, sort of that money backer or nickel or whatever. And that's where Bill Belichick and Nick Casario fell in love with him because he just had that ability, like we saw on Sunday night against Baltimore, to lock down Mark Andrews at times in man coverage. There were a few times Mark Andrews got him, but Lamar couldn't find him. But play competitively in man coverage against a really good tight end in Mark Andrews. Then be able to be a part of the scheme to slow down Lamar and the read option type of stuff. Then run support. Then just pursuit speed in general. He had five stops where, you know, he makes negative plays for the defense where some of them were came after passes when he wasn't targeted in coverage, but he came across the field to make the tackle to make sure the guy didn't get the first down or, or what have you. And those types of plays, I, I just, that's been missing so much from this Patriots defense that to see somebody be able to do that is such a great kind of development for them as a team, because who was that player before? And now obviously, like you mentioned, he still has the thumb to be able to hang in the box and be able to bang with some of the bigger bodies, whether it's tight ends or fullbacks or offensive linemen pulling or anything like that. So just a complete complimentary player that can do, pretty much everything Bill Belichick asks him to do. He can play zone. He can play man. I'm curious to see if they try him out in the deep part of the field at all. They've been kind of experimenting with Miles Bryant a little bit back there. And I would kind of rather see those snaps go to, go to Duggar a little bit more, but I just, because I know, you know, from his college days, all of his college tape is him kind of ranging over the top and making these incredible kind of pass breakups or interceptions. So I'm just curious to see if his role expands even more to maybe some split safety coverages or some Something like that, but this is uh, as exciting of a defensive prospect as they've had a, a defensive rookie. Chase had a great rookie season as well, but I think Duggar shows like a guy in the mental aspects of it. You mentioned the the cutback play that he made. I was not, that was what I wasn't expecting to wrap this up. I, I knew he was going to be a physical specimen. I wasn't sure if he was going to have the mental processing and sort of the IQ at already this quickly to be able to make such a big impact as a rookie. I think a lot of people were sort of expecting more of a transition for him going from D2 to the pros and maybe his first half of the season wasn't you know, he didn't come out like gangbusters necessarily, but against Seattle in week two, he was already doing this kind of stuff in flashes. And then we just saw kind of the whole repertoire against Baltimore. Absolutely. And I think that's a big thing is that they put him, like you said, they put him in multiple positions, which speaks to the fact that mentally he is grasping everything because he's playing he, not deep, but like you said, he's in the box. He's covering guys in man coverage. He's playing that zone coverage. There was the, the Ravens last drive of the first half. He was the outside underneath zone player to Marquise Brown's side every play of the entire drive. And 
really because, oh, like we can, we can drop JC Jackson deep because Kyle Duggar and his speed is going to be there underneath. That's a valuable, uh, piece of the, of the defense too. But at the same time, now we can, we can move him and play him in man coverage. His ability on, on, on Mark Andrews, his ability to grasp everything, I think moving forward is going to be huge because when you have that, that physicality and like we said, he's a, he's a specimen. When you have that, it's only, uh, valuable really when you can do multiple things and you know how to play multiple positions to get the most out of it. Yeah, absolutely. So many guys that you speak to, one guy, Landon Roberts, for example, he was lost in coverage his first couple of years in the league, right? Just didn't know where to drop off play action, didn't know how to find routes, things like that, completely lost. And I remember him saying that it was 90% mental. You know, it really wasn't all physical. It was 90% mental. A lot of people just thought he was too slow to play linebacker in the NFL, and maybe some people still do. But he really developed and, and sort of got more comfortable with it. Brad's laughing at me now because I'm pumping up the Landon Roberts. The point I love the Landon Roberts. I love it. He'll stick you in the A-gap. Don't ask him to drop, but he will light you up in the A-gap. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, Landon Roberts is kind of the only guy that I can think of in recent, you know, obviously we had like Brandon Merriweather and Brandon Spikes and then Rodney Harrison going all the way back, but Roberts could really, you know, lay the wood as well when he was coming downhill, and Duggar is kind of up there to me in terms of that physical presence, but just to see for a rookie, you know, Adrian Phillips talked a lot about it at the beginning of the year, too, that this is a guy that is not a rookie. This is not your normal rookie. He's talking ball with his teammates like he's been in the league for four or five years, and that mental aspect of the game is just incredibly massive. All right, we're going to take a quick break to shout out our friends at betonline.ag, and then we'll be right back with Brad to talk about Damian Harris, another really exciting player for the Patriots. NFL football continues on this week, which has a few surprise teams at the top of the standings. And you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. No matter how schedules change or players that play, BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online. Head to BetOnline today and you take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. But online, your online sportsbook experts. Back here with Brad Kelly, my guest this week to break down the Patriots' young guns, as I'm going to start to call it. It's not going to catch on, don't worry, but I'm just going to call it that for these purposes. I want to talk about David Harris, too, because... I think what we're seeing is that the Patriots were probably going to have a really good running game no matter what, no matter really who was carrying the ball, whether it was Harris or Sony or Rex Burkhead. But now that David Harris has taken over that sort of lead back role, they've gone from a good rushing attack to like an elite rushing attack because of what he's been able to bring to the table. Harris has been interesting because early in the season when it was Sony Michelle and they're mixing in Rex and James White really in the running game, I felt like every under center run, when you're not using Cam Newton as a as a running threat, was just a huge, massive waste. Me too. Yeah. And it it really early in the season it was because it was not being effective. And when they were mixing in Cam, it was it was more effective. But in recent weeks, when they just get 21 personnel, I formation under center, and their hand turn around hand to Harris. On first down, I'm like, hell yeah. Like, let's get this dude coming downhill because we're getting six, eight yards of a pop on first down and it's looking great. So it's, he's, he, his presence and the way that the effectiveness of that type of running game, uh, has increased for the Patriots has completely changed my perspective of the offense and really Josh McDaniels play calling, I guess 
early on. He believed in it. He stuck with it. And now it's they're, they're reaping the benefits. But it was only really became effective when it was Damian Harris, which I guess really shows you the difference between his style of running and his strengths as a running back, as an I-formation I tailback compared to the rest of the roster. If that's what their plan is for the running game moving forward, because that's also the best way they mix in their play action, he has to be the feature guy. And I think, I think realistically he will hold on to that. Yeah, that's a great point that earlier on in the season, I was the same way. I, I used to get so frustrated during the games, first down run, second down run, third down. Oh shoot. Now we got to pass, right? Because we're in third and six and we need to first down. And the Patriots just did that over and over and over again and just felt way too conservative for the lack of kind of skill talent that they had. They needed to open it up a little bit more. Then you put Damian Harris in there, and all of a sudden those first down runs, like you said, you're getting six, seven yards of pop on first down, and it's a much different equation. And I just think that with Harris, uh, running backs coach Ivan Fears, who is very candid guy but usually doesn't kind of like compare players he really said that Damian Harris's power and ability to run through contact is on a different level from Sony Michelle's which was surprising to hear from the position coach and you can tell that just watching it on tape I mean there are times when you know Jakob Johnson has to take somebody on the line of scrimmage instead of leading all the way up to the linebacker and it's just Damian Harris against a linebacker and he's downhill after three or four yards and he's just a bowling ball right on through multiple guys then there's kind of the manipulation of the second level which I always love to watch you know Frank Gore I think is like one of the best guys to ever do that where he kind of flashes into one gap makes everybody flow with them and then cuts it back into another Damien Harris is doing all those types of little things and then you add into there that He's definitely a more explosive runner than Sony Michelle is, and he's got, a, I think, another gear that Sony has never really shown us. And all of a sudden, you've got this rushing attack that can't be stopped. I mean, Baltimore literally put nine guys in the box at times to try to stop the Patriots' rushing attack. No deep safety. They were taking their free safety, and they were just having him come up in the fit. And they still couldn't stop them. And then obviously what comes off of that is the play action stuff, right? Because then you get Jacoby Myers on an island with nobody, no help inside. And he's just one-on-one in space and he's good enough to be able to win those matchups. So Damon Harris and Jacoby Myers have really kind of ignited this entire offense. And now over the last month or so, they're one of the best offenses in football because of these two guys. Part of that has to do, I think, to, to give them their proper credit, we, when you mentioned the running game, we had to talk about the O-line, oh, them getting their, their best unit. First of all, them getting healthy and then getting their best unit on the field definitely helps getting, uh, Michael on Wenu, on Wenu in one spot instead of moving him to like the yeah. five different spots in five weeks has helped him develop as a right tackle. Everyone else is healthy. They're really, really returning starters and Jakob Johnson, I think is progressing very well, but I think everything that Ivan Fears mentioned, is true, and that's really the difference. The O line is improved, the fullback has improved, but Damian Harris just has that 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 next gear, that that next level, that he can bust a big run at any point in time. That Sony Michelle just, I mean, we've seen it like once in his whole career, really, yeah. just bust a really big long run uh, when it was needed to break tackles in order to do it. And Harris can do that in like in a pinch, in like a blink of an eye. And I think that's just the difference between him and and Sony right now. 
yeah, you mentioned Onwenu there. The offensive line deserves a ton of credit. And Damian Harris was talking about today how their lack of penetration through the line, you know, players, defensive players getting on the other side of the line of scrimmage in his face allows him to get downhill, allows him to have that vision to make those cuts and be a little bit more patient behind those blocks because there is nobody slipping through, you know, that he has to make miss in a second and then everything is sort of kind of like playground off script from that point. That's not happening all that often because those five guys up front are just building a wall and then pushing the wall forward. And it's uh, it's just been awesome to watch. Uh, one last rookie that we're going to talk about the Texans, or not rookie, second-year player, Chase Winovich probably had the game of his life on Sunday night against Baltimore. Definitely the best game I think he's played as a Patriot so far. Uh, nine hurries in that game, nine. Some of them were, you know, a little bit better than others. But still, you get to nine hurries, that's a lot. He was playing against the run pretty well, setting the edge, played a little bit off the line of scrimmage, which I thought was a nice wrinkle. I mean, this is a guy, they just need to find a place to put him, even if it's not on the edge every single snap. Yeah, he stuffed the stat sheet on Sunday night for sure. And I think part of it too is I think the Patriots defensively kind of realized this is – talent-wise, our best pass rusher. Let's let him get after it. And what you saw was a lot of hurries. And even what you saw really was a few cases that he overran the pocket and Lamar was able to escape. But you kind of have to live with that if, you, if you're if right. you getting nine hurries and you're getting the sacks that he can provide with you with. So it's about just like taking the reins off, letting this guy go to work, get get your speed off the edge, find your pads and get after the quarterback. You're going to overrun him sometimes. You have to live with that because what's going to happen is he's going to get you a sack and he's going to hurry the, hurry the pocket consistently, and that's something that the Patriots defense, he leaves the team in sacks with two and a half. They need to get, they need to generate some type of pass rush. Letting him loose is the best way to do it. You live with the negative plays because there's going to be a lot more positive plays. And I think moving forward, that's really just really what they have to do in order to, to disrupt the pocket. And, and especially on this, this Sunday when they play someone who can extend plays, but also someone who's taken a lot of sacks in his career, that's what they have to do with Chase Winovich. Just keep, just, just, just take, take the reins off and let him go to work. I'm really glad you brought that up about him kind of overrunning the Lamar in the pocket a little bit because I think it was last year Michael Lombardi went on his podcast and said, you know, Bill Belichick hates it when you run past the quarterback. And Bill had a press conference at some point where he said, well, what are you going to do back there? You know, running past the quarterback is terrible. So every single time I think Patriots fans see Chase Winovich or another player run past the quarterback, they immediately think that they did something wrong. But if you go back and you watch how they played Lamar in that game, what they did was they put Chase on his arm side most of the time, let him rush the quarterback, and then spied Lamar on that side of the ball with Jonathan Jones mostly sometimes it was Miles Bryant and so they knew that okay maybe Chase might overrun Lamar in the pocket and give an escape route but we're just going to have Jonathan Jones spying him right in his face so if he does try to take off anyways we got somebody right there so they schemed it like you said for Chase Winovich to just pin his ears back and get after the quarterback and they were going to worry the other 10 guys were kind of going to worry about containing Lamar after that that I think was really a great sort of wrinkle in the game plan because they didn't want to come after Lamar. I don't think with blitzes like Kansas city did that a little bit. And uh, I think Pittsburgh did it a little bit as well. Then they must rush mostly four guys, but they were aggressively rushing the quarterback. This wasn't a mush rush. This wasn't the trash compactor of just trying to keep them in the pocket. This was 
everybody, the front four is going to get after it and we'll have guys on the second level that are worried about Lamar scrambling or extending plays with his legs. So that, that's, I think, a totally different approach than what we've seen in the past with Patriots and mobile quarterbacks where they just try to condense the pocket on guys. And sometimes when you play that way, Deshaun Watson's a perfect example because they've done this to him in the past as well. He just, he tears you up because he's just able to still find his find his passes down the field from the pocket, obviously, but then also get outside the pocket anyway sometimes and create plays. And there's no disruption on the quarterback. He's standing there with all day to throw, and it's just it's just not as productive. That, that was what they did in Deshaun's rookie year. I'm sure you remember that game where he just ran around like a crazy guy all over the field on the Patriots, and a lot of it was that. So speaking of Deshaun, let, let's talk a little bit about the Texans. They still do have a pretty good passing attack. And they have Cooks, they have Fuller, they obviously have Deshaun, who's still really, really good. They're 11th in DVOA as a pass offense. They're 32nd as a rush offense, so they're terrible there. But they can still throw the ball a little bit. What have you seen them do with Cooks and Fuller? Because I think it's interesting from what I've watched, they've used Cooks kind of like as like a horizontal field stretcher instead of the vertical guy, and Fuller's been kind of the guy over the top. So maybe they think Cooks has kind of lost maybe like a quarter of a step or something like that later on in his career, or they just want to use those guys off each other. What, what have you seen? Yeah, so the Texans, the first thing you have to think of with their offense is they are fast. When, yeah. you, when you put Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller on the same field, and when your third one is th- – like your third fastest receiver is Randall Cobb, and even their wide receiver four is Kenny Stills. He runs a 4-3 he runs too. Right. Uh, so they have a lot of speed, and when you want to – and for them to kind of kind of highlight that speed, what they do is a lot of four wide receiver sets, uh, a lot of empty sets, stuff like that. They want to spread it out. They want to get the ball out of Sean Watson's hands really quickly. Uh, and, and, but they also, they want to use that speed vertically, like you said, with Will Fuller. So it's going to be interesting to watch exactly how the Patriots cover that because you're going to want to have extra defensive backs because of this speed. You probably want to split safeties because of Will Fuller. He's that dynamic. And we know that Brandon Cooks, despite him being more of a horizontal guy this year, can still get loose on the boundary. It, but how do you also cover Sean Watson and, and like, as you've said, his escapability, how he extends plays. It's going to be one of those weeks where Jonathan Jones is on the field for 80% of the snaps. Right. Um, as you said, Miles Bryant's been mixing in. Maybe it's a Terrence Brooks week if he's healthy. But, like, all those extra defensive backs that they play with, like kind of like they did against the Chiefs, I think we're going to see a lot of that because the weapons and the way that they operate, the Texans operate their offense, it just calls for the need for the defense to have a little bit more juice on the field. That's exactly where I was going with uh, in my Patriots game plan tomorrow is that that te- that Chiefs game, that those man match coverages, the cover two coverages that they did play, which they do a little bit against these sort of like spread offenses with mobile quarterbacks a little bit more than maybe they have in the past. They've been mostly like a, a post safety team, obviously still, but they do sprinkle in a little bit more cover two, I would say, with guys like Mahomes and Watson and these types of players that can really beat you with deep passing. Last year they ran a lot of zero they ran a lot of man coverage or one double doubling DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun just picked out his man-to-man matchup whether it's a running back or Kenny Stills or Will Fuller caught a big touchdown in that game and he just 
attack single coverage down the field, and he was able to actually beat the Patriots' coverage down the field. So I think that they are going to say, okay, we need to be able to pass off Fuller and Cooks. We need to be able to support guys. We can't just put J.C. Jackson on an island and expect him to shut down Will Fuller or in Cooks uh, on, with Jonathan Jones the entire game. So I definitely think that they're going to harken back to that Chiefs matchup and say, you know, what are the things that worked? And on top of that, they were actually pretty worried about Patrick Mahomes' legs in that Chiefs game, oh, also yeah. extending plays. They had a lot of spies. They ran that double robber coverage a lot where they had the spies and they were dropping guys off the line of scrimmage to spy Patrick Mahomes. So I think that they can pretty much go with the, the same game plan with just maybe a little bit of that Baltimore game plan sprinkled in there as well, just to make sure you get a guy like Duggar on the field in a prominent role since he didn't play against the Chiefs as much. So it's a really interesting matchup, I think, though, because it's easily easy to overlook a 2-7 and seven team. And their defense is an absolute mess, but they can definitely still put up points offensively if you're not careful. It's going to be it, obviously the first thing that will help the Patriots is is if Stephon Gilmore plays right. It, that that will change the entire game plan. If you could just you really could put him on Wolf Fuller and say take him away, but if he doesn't, it obviously like you said changes a lot because now it's JC when they want to go man, it's probably JC Jackson on Wolf Fuller and Jonathan Jones against Brandon Cooks to match his speed. And it, it, there's a huge ri- uh, ripple effect from Gilmore missing time. But like you said, the reason that they, they, they want to have more speed or even that double robber coverage that you mentioned, which uh, they did against Patrick Mahomes, is going to be huge. Is Watson is very good at, uh, especially when they when they spread it out, at, like, at, at taking linebackers and just moving them with his eyes. Or yeah. really, like, linebackers become horrible when they play Deshaun Watson. Yeah. He's really good at opening one way, throwing the other. He has the speed to to um, extend plays. He works his tight ends really well. He works his running backs really well. And their running backs, maybe they can't run the ball, but they can catch the ball. Duke Johnson has like 300 career receptions. David Johnson, I think his second year, had like 900 receiving yards. He works his tight ends well. He works the middle of the field well. He really works the middle of the field well. Watson has a passer. So is is Jawan Bentley healthy and can he play in conflict? Uh, no and no. Is, is Hall going to be there and be able to, to be able to do that on the field? We'll see. It's going to be hard for them not to pair those extra defensive backs, especially with Watson. And I know that they can't run the ball. For, they haven't run the ball effectively, they being the, the Texans. But if, if the, if the Patriots are playing with seven defensive backs, is that, is that the point in time where they decide this is going to be our opportunity to get our, get our running game right and, and, and have it be effective and, does that kind of does the does the defense kind of dictate the offense? Like, I guess is the ultimate the ultimate point. Right, and I think they're going to watch that tape against Baltimore and say, okay, maybe the read option plays are not the answer this week because the Patriots did such a good job against those. But what the Texans can do is get under center some of the time, actually. And Deshaun doesn't usually throw from under center all that much, but they do have sort of an outside zone, bootleg action type of offense that they can run. And that's very, you know, kind of like 49ers-like. And and that's exactly what the Patriots have had trouble with. They don't have a traditional fullback, but they have those two tight ends that they can put on the field at the same Mm -hmm. time. So I think that's my biggest fear is not them spreading them out because I think the Patriots will flood the field with six or seven DBs if they're in empty or if they're in four wide or something like that. Patriots have answers to all of that personnel-wise. I'd be more concerned if the Texans go – two tight ends and end up going under center a lot more and try to run that sort of outside zone scheme that's been successful against the Patriots from that look, then what is the Patriots answer to that? Because you mentioned Therese Hall 
he had a rough game in coverage against Baltimore. They really manipulated him a lot. And like you mentioned, playing in conflict, run pass conflict, or, you know, two guys coming into your zone, which one are you taking, you know, that type of stuff. Hall let up nine catches for 119 yards. PFF had him in coverage. We know Jawan Bentley is not much better in that department either. So is it Adrian Phillips and Kyle Duggar at that second level? Well, if the Texans allow that to happen, like the Chiefs kind of did, then maybe that will get, you know, they'll be fine there. But if the Texans try to beef up and, and do go to tight end and try to run the ball a little bit, then the Patriots sort of have to have an answer there. So basically the, the crux of all this is that Kyle Duggar's the answer to all the problems. So just <laughs> play linebacker against uh, 12 personnel and everything will be fine. But in theory, that is a way I think that the chief, uh, excuse me, the Texans could give the Patriots problems. The issue is the Texans defense is historically bad against the run and the Patriots right now are historically good running the football. So is Damon Harris going to rush for a buck 50? Yeah, where 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 we're gonna be at with that, I, I'm not exactly sure. But uh on that side of the ball for the Patriots offense, this matchup could not set up any better than it does against the Texans defense who can't stop a run if to save their life right now. It's just it, when it comes to the Patriots offense, it's that uh, like when you're at halftime of a game and that one player if it's basketball, he's already dropped like 27 points. He's like, just keep doing, just keep doing what you're doing, buddy. Just, you know, just, just keep it going. Whatever you're doing is working. That's right. what it is with the Patriots offense. Get 21 personnel, put David Harris behind Jacob Johnson and let him pound the rock. And, and when we need to, we'll throw play action. We can get Cam involved in the power running game. And that's pretty much all I expect them to do. And I think it's going to be effective. I don't think the Texans have any answers. I don't think, you know, good old Romeo Cornell has, has anything in his bag anymore that, that Bill Budge, I doesn't already know. And they just don't have the personnel. Yeah, Omir Cornell said that when we spoke to him on the conference call this week. He just said, if Bill is good at something, he's just going to keep on beating that drum until somebody stops him. So they're obviously running the ball at a prolific rate, and Cornell just said they're going to keep running it until somebody stops it, you know, because nobody has, at least so far, uh, in in terms of recently, but really all season long. So, Brad, uh, this was great. I really appreciate it. Tell everybody where they can follow you, where they can read your work. Uh, you have a bunch of Twitter accounts posting film stuff all the time. <laughs> I love it. It's just, I, I eat it all up. Uh, yeah, you can follow me at Brad Kelly 17 on Twitter. It's K E L L Y 17. Just scroll that. You'll see a million different, uh, you know, posts and, and a couple different accounts that, that the, the clips come from. So you'll see a lot of work on that page. Um, uh, if you, if you give that a little bit of a scroll and a follow. Absolutely. And just for the record, Brad said that Jacoby Myers is going to be better than DK Metcalf on this podcast. I heard it. <laughs> I got, I got the Pedersen Ruggs jersey on the wall too. I mean, oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. yeah, Ruggs, yeah. Uh, he didn't play when the Patriots played the Raiders and I was really disappointed that uh, I didn't get to see him because I was thank, really looking forward thank to. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> I was really looking forward to see how fast he was live though in person you know because it's one thing to watch these guys run on tv when i remember when i first saw the chiefs and patrick mahomes a couple years ago watching tyree kill run up close like on the side i was like this guy is this is a different animal you know this is not a human being this is a machine so i was interested to see it we didn't get to see it uh but hopefully we get to see uh rugs in the future at some point i think the raiders are, are going to be around a little bit on uh clnsmedia.com you can go check out my patriots game plan on friday where i break down this matchup with the texans in a lot more detail and then we're going to be wall-to-wall coverage on sunday afternoon at one o'clock a 
game finally, so I don't have to go to bed at 4 a.m. That's nice. And uh, we'll have wall-to-wall coverage from the uh, home base on the Texans-Patriots game on Sunday. And uh, be sure to check out our YouTube channel at Patriots Press Pass as well for a bunch of content on there too. And then we will be back on the podcast next week. The preview, was it Arizona next week? I I, I always do this. I yes. just know, and I always do this. The card home against Arizona. Who played tonight. We're recording this on Thursday night. Who played the Seahawks on Thursday night. And, uh, man, they already seen Russell Wilson this year, but Kyler Murray, he might be my favorite non-Patriot player to watch right now because he's just a uh, – that guy's just super talented in every single way, uh, has an absolute hose. He can get out of any tackle. He's fast in the open field. He's elusive in the open field. Uh, he can do absolutely everything. So we'll have a lot to unpack next week with the Cardinals as well. But until then, signing off for my guest, Brad Kelly, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for listening.